I get a lot of questions about the post-training period. How sore should you be? What should you eat? How should you hydrate? Everything from like sleep to even should I do a training session the next day? Figured it would be a good thing to talk about for an episode, so let's talk about how you should feel after your training, how to recover, and how to get the most out of your next training session. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you improve your training so you can have more fun out on the trails. Today, let's talk about post-training strategies. Like, what should you do after a training session? And to some degree, this varies a little bit based on what type of training session it was and what the rest of your day should be, or what the rest of your day looks like. If you're running something like a -a two-a-day, that post-training strategy is going to look a little different than if you're just doing, if you have a recovery day or a rest day the next day. Those things are not going to be the same. Those strategies will be different. So first, let's look at a few different questions. One is, how sore should I be? And this isn't exactly what to do, but this is just kind of how to measure whether or not your training was in the right ballpark, if the effort was in the right ballpark. And I get this question a lot from new lifters or people who are just getting back to running or just increasing their volume. Like, how sore should I be is a great question, very honestly. We're not really sure. And there's a lot of reasons to be un uncertain about this. Like, there's a lot of people who have chased the burn for a very long time. They've chased the soreness. If you don't know, if you aren't sore the next day, then did you really work out, right? Like, there's a lot of that mentality when it comes to exercise a lot of the time. So, I have a lot of people who do, like, very difficult training sessions, like, far more difficult than they need to be for their goals in order to just get that soreness. And that is that is not the target. We're not really trying to measure our uh, the effectiveness of our workout or the effectiveness of our training session on how sore you are the day after. And for one, new stuff will make you more sore. Um, new movements or movements that you haven't done in a while, especially from a strength training realm, will cause you to have more soreness than you probably should based on like how difficult the training session was. So if we look at, let's look at myself a couple months ago. I had not done like sumo deadlifts and hip thrusts in months. Like it might've actually been about a year since I had spent any real time doing a sumo deadlift or a hip thrust. So when I first got back to that in March, um, I was really sore. My butt was so sore. Like my glutes, like, were way sore than they needed to be because I wasn't used to that movement. That also means that I went overboard, right? So like I didn't need to push that much weight on that variation of the deadlift or the hip thrust in order to see progress. This isn't a like, oh, look how sore I was. Like this was such a good workout. This was an I messed up statement, but I didn't really know what I was looking for. I didn't know what the target was. I didn't realize that me pushing that amount of weight on a sumo deadlift when 
it's far less than what I'd push on a conventional, was going to create that level of soreness. So I would expect a lot of people, if you're moving into a new phase or new movements or just something you haven't done in a while, I would expect you to be sore. You'll often see this from running. If people spend, like, winter not doing a lot of running, and then they return to running, especially trail running, where there's lots of hills, lots of climbing, like, your quads might be thrashed. And that means you did too much. If you're ever thrashed, it either means you, like, sent it hard during a race, or you did too much, because we don't really want our training sessions to destroy us. You don't want to be wrecked for two, three, four days after a training session due to soreness because it is going to impact your other training. That is actually one of the main reasons that we're not looking to get super sore. You will get a lot more out of some kind of daily movement than you would from moving twice a week. And if you are so sore that you're wrecked for two, three, four days, we are limiting our ability to have effective daily training sessions and or like near daily, five, six days a week. And we're just reducing that overall volume that we can put in. So you really shouldn't be that sore. You should notice that you worked out. You shouldn't be wrecked. You shouldn't be sore. I will often, like, really sore. You shouldn't struggle to do daily tasks. I have absolutely heard people say in a positive way that they struggle to sit down. They struggle to get out of bed. Like, oh, that workout was so good. I couldn't even get out of bed. Like, that is not good. You did too much. And... You would get a lot more out of doing slightly easier work so that, ah, oh, my abs were a little tight. Um, that should be kind of the response to a heavy ab day. Oh, my legs feel a little bit. Not, I'm struggling to get up and down from the toilet. Those are very different <laughs> levels of soreness, and we want the former, we don't want the latter. And this also leads into a little bit of, like, something I was talking with three people in the past week. So if you think this is you, it might be, but it's also two other people that are joining you. So um, how do I know if like the hard or difficult that I'm experiencing is the right amount? And this can be a really difficult thing. It can be a tough thing to judge. If you are moving into a new training phase or you're taking things a little more seriously and you've done very little more than like long, slow distance volume, with the occasional, like, harder workouts with your training group. And if you go from that to a tough training session, um, speed workout specifically is what I'm thinking about, and, or if you go from, like, one of our, one of the gym classes, like body pump, and then you go from that to a heavy, you build towards, like, a heavy five by five, five reps of, like, five, uh, five sets of five reps of like some really difficult movement, then you're going to wonder if this is right. <laughs> like it's going to cross your mind of like, why is this, is this right? This seems too difficult. This might not be correct. And I've had this feeling in the past. Uh, I think a lot of us have. And I'll explain this um, from a client from the, the gym today, because I know we wouldn't mind, like I mentioned that I would share this and he was, he was supportive. So we were doing heel elevated squats and using like 10 pounds and it was just destroying his quads and we have been squatting over 10 times that amount with a back squat 
and then we move to this 10 pound lift your heels up on a plate and squat full range of motion like butt all the way down until it touches your heels and drive back up to the top and the amount that that is going to destroy your quads is surprising if you've never experienced it before and he just thought he was doing something wrong um, in the training session he did it on his own because he didn't realize that it's such a difficult movement that a light weight just is appropriate. And if I were to do a similar, like I showed him a similar comparison where we did the math on my back squat, I cut it and he watched me suffer through a set just to show him that, yes, this is a difficult movement. You shouldn't probably be loading this with anything close to the amount of weight that you're used to squatting because it is just hard. And we see this in running as well, where if you are doing something like a VO2 max repeat of like five sets, three minutes on, three minutes off, preferably up a hill to protect your joints, right? Like this workout, it's a classic. And if we're doing something like that, then it is going to be hard. It is supposed to be hard. And if you're not used to doing something like that, then you're going to probably wonder if it's wrong. You're going to wonder if it's pushing too hard. But if you're doing it right, you should have a large margin of error between injury and safety and difficulty because something like that should really be done at your mile pace and your mile pace is not three minutes. So if we're pushing really hard for three minutes for what might be a like seven or eight minute pace, even if it's like a five or a six, you have a large buffer between actually going to burn out and wow, this is really unpleasant. And this is true for all mile races. The mile is notoriously hard. The 1500 meter, just short of a mile, is notoriously hard. Because yes, you are pacing the entire thing, but every second of it is unpleasant. <laughs> and the mile is just a hard race to do. And even though you're only running like half of that for these three minute repeats, it is still going to be three minutes of unpleasantness. And yes, you will have a large buffer between that cutoff and the actual injury point where you're like losing form and pushing too far, but it is still going to be a difficult three minutes. And if you haven't done work like that before, then you might not quite know whether that feels appropriate or not. And I see this like the other direction as well. People who are really used to CrossFit or like my athletic background where you just beat the hell out of yourself for hours on end and then didn't really recover appropriately it can be tough to dial it back when I was trying to figure out these like vo2 max repeats I was burning out at the end of every three minutes because I was like ah oh, run as hard as you can for three minutes it's not really that it is run enough to stimulate this cardiovascular response for three minutes and it's just different so figuring out what it should feel like where you have a little bit left in the tank at the end but the whole thing was difficult is a tough line, and if you're not used to it, it's going to take you a minute, and that's okay. But you're probably doing it right if you're following the stuff we've talked about here. And I know I say this like in the middle of race season. The past few weeks, we've had Broken Arrow, Midwestern States, Bad Waters coming up, Hard Rocks in a month. Like the amount of, and the amount of injuries I've seen in the past couple weeks on social media has been disheartening and unnecessary. Like, injuries will happen. If you're threading the line for performance where you're out and you're trying to do well, then you're risking injury. 
And sometimes just stuff, like you end up on the wrong side of that fine line. And for runners, it is arguably more difficult than for some other sports. Because sometimes the first sign of injury is, or sorry, the first sign of bad form when you're running is an injury. It is a tweak. If it's something like basketball, you are going to see that your form's bad because you will miss the shot. Uh, same with the baseball. Like if, you're, if your form's not very good with the baseball, it'll be slower. You won't hit the target. Um, with running, sometimes the only feedback you get is that you get injured. You get a tweak. You get this like slight pull in your hamstring. Uh, your ankle just doesn't feel right. And this little niggle, this little tweak, can be the first sign that you've been running less than optimally for the past however long. There will be injuries in this sport, and the higher levels of performance you're looking to achieve, then the more likely you're going to get them. But we try to keep them to tweaks. We try to keep them to niggles. Most people should be able to avoid having a lot of those tweaks turn into full-on injuries if you are responsible, at least in training. And yes, stuff happens. Like sometimes you step in a hole or a loose rock. Like that's how I twisted my ankle during my race. Like I stepped on a rock and it came out from under me and I messed my ankle up. But most of the time you're racing on something that started bothering you months ago, which is also true for me. I tweaked my ankle on the same foot that I was struggling with plantar fasciitis. So I knew the thing was weak and I decided to run it anyway. And that's a choice. I don't regret that choice, but these are the kind of things that we should be aware of and look to correct. Like, if you're having a niggle, if you're having a tweak, if something is wrong, we should figure out how to make that better. And a lot of the time we exacerbate it by just keep pushing, or we're not fueling or we're not hydrating properly, and we can avoid a lot of the injuries we see, especially the big ones when we're seeing, like, femur fractures or, like, throwing your back out or whatever, like... A lot of the bigger injuries were absolutely avoidable. And we just need to know that what to do, what to look for, and how to deal with it in order to not have like this season ending or like multi season ending injury that will change your life. So take care of yourself. Now, on that note of like food and recovery, recovery food after training, after racing, all this stuff is really important. And the first thing that we should really look at in most instances, is protein. Protein, post an effort, is always a priority. Most runners don't eat enough of it anyway, and it is a thing that you probably need to target in order to hit the goals that you need as a, to survive well as an athlete. Some people need less, some people need more. Most people need a good, like, three to four servings, like, good palm-sized servings of pure protein daily. And if we aren't getting that, then we probably need to up it. And a great time to get it is after a training session. For a couple reasons. One, um, it is better to get your protein in a few servings throughout the day. It helps muscle repair. Um, a training session such as running actually instigates muscle breakdown. So getting a good dose of protein stops that process and starts muscle rebuilding. But more importantly than both of those, it just reminds you to get a dose of protein that you're going to tie to something in your day that you're going to do. So there isn't like a magical 
window to eat protein called the anabolic window after your training session, it kind of exists. It is so much less important than just getting it in. And if you have this thing that you do where you go train because it matters to you, and then afterwards you get food because you want to recover, and that food has a good dose of protein, then that is a system that is going to work well, and it is a way to like tie habits together. And that is the way that you're going to be successful. So protein, always a priority. Kind of a palm-sized serving. If you're doing a protein powder, then we want like 30 grams. Um, 40 if you're like over 50 or 60, because listen to my episode on protein if you want to know more about that. But we want a good dose of protein after training. Now, carbohydrates are also sometimes important after training. If you are training again within 24 hours, you should absolutely get some carbs after training because you're going to lose, you're, you're going to be glycogen depleted. And unless you're specifically following some fat adaptation protocol for some very good reason, like we want to replenish that so that your training session, your next training session is effective and good and you can perform well. Now, if we look at carbs, they're on like a 24 to 48 hour resynthesis process, kind of depending on you. So if you're going to be training again within 24 hours, you should probably get some carbs post-workout. If you're not, if tomorrow's a rest day, if um, you're like going for a really easy recovery run tomorrow, something like that, they're not as important. And it's not to say you shouldn't have them. It's not to say that having them would do anything negative to you. Um, I had a coach that basically said, if you're in doubt, eat them because they'll help you recover. But if we're being fully transparent, they're less of a like they're more of conditionally a priority than protein. Fluids and electrolytes also key, especially this time of year. It was 90 some degrees out there. Um, one of my athletes where he was training today was 110. So make sure that you are getting enough fluid and electrolytes. Somewhere around this time of year, in the past like three months, most people go from that kind of spring and pleasant weather to hot. And once they hit hot, they are almost always under-consuming fluid. And it happens every year to the same people where they just kind of forget that they need to increase their fluid intake. Increase your fluid intake, make sure that you're doing a sweat test now that the weather's up, and then let's target that new fluid intake for your training sessions. If you know that you sweat a good half liter to an hour in the winter, it's going to be more than that in the summer. So if you're still on this like 16 to 20 ounces in the winter protocol now in almost July and you're struggling with nausea or performance or just like not feeling well or headaches that is why you are dehydrated you need more fluid and I also know that we like we see so many people on social media talking about pre-run food and it's not that it's not important I do think it matters, and I largely think it matters for the same reason that protein post-workout matters. There's a lot of physiology to say that it's a good idea. The main thing is a lot of runners under-eat, and they under-fuel. And once you're done exercising, you're often not going to be super hungry because your cortisol's up a little bit. So if we can just tie some more food into something you already do, such as training, by giving you a pre-workout meal of some nature, then that will be positive. So that is the main reason that pre-run food is so helpful. It pushes your overall daily caloric intake in a way that is predictable 
and absolutely helps your performance. That said, you're not garbage if you go out for an hour run and don't eat. I get it. Sometimes scheduling is weird. But if you can, get some food in beforehand. Take some food with you out the door. We're a community as runners. Like, we're a community that, who undereats, like, as a whole. And if we undereat for long enough, we get injured. So the safe message is eat before you go out. Try to do that. And if you can't, try to get your post-run meal. And if you can't do that, then you probably shouldn't be tra training because we can't prioritize recovery, then we're not going to be training. We need to recover. And food is a key point to that recovery. Um, end, of, end of statement. You need to recover. So on that note, like I'll have people ask me things about stretching. Like stretching is a part of recovery. Like I need to hit my weekly yoga session or whatever. That's great. If that helps you, that is fantastic. There is no like solid evidence that stretching makes any real difference. Um, if it seems to make a difference for you, that is fantastic. If it makes you feel good, that's great. If you are specifically tight in certain areas in a way that pull you into poor movement patterns, then stretching is a great idea. I know that I have certain spots on me that are particularly tight, um, my piriformis and my inner hamstring, especially on my right side due to my hip issues. I need to stretch those or else I will have problems. I have less than ideal ankle flexion, um, how far my knees goes over my toes with my heels staying on the ground, right? Like how much I can create that, that flexion in my ankle. Um, that is going to be an issue for me if I don't work on it. I have taken time off from that and I immediately see a degradation in how much flexion I can create with my ankle. So that is the thing I do daily. And it's not a thing I do intentionally daily is while I'm working with clients, I'll be on the floor like working on some ankle flexion stuff. Make this stuff fit. Like right now I'm at a standing desk. If I were working, I would have my leg up like right below my keyboard working on some hip mobility stuff. Make it fit. You don't need to stretch unless you have stuff that is tight enough to cause you problems. And if you do, then it doesn't need to be that much. It should be just enough that over time, we're starting to see improvements in those movement patterns. And the biggest thing that I see people miss from a recovery standpoint is sleep. They just don't sleep enough. Like, a lot of the time I see people talk about, like, I need to go stretching, and then they just completely gloss over the fact that they're sleeping five hours a night. You need to sleep. Like, that is one of the biggest things you need to do after a training session. Not directly after, but if we are waking up an hour early to get our run in, and you're not prioritizing trying to get to bed at least a half an hour earlier than you used to before running, then we have a problem. Um, you need more sleep as you become more active, in theory. I realize that there's only so many hours in the day. But if you are doing more training, then you're depleting more things, and you need more time for your hormones and everything to recover. So... It is not like you can just keep trimming as you go through your training cycle. As we go from like the five to six hour training baseline early in a like six month block to our like 10 to 12 to 15, if you're a professional athlete, peak at our like pre-race point, then we should theoretically be sleeping more as we move more towards that 15 hour mark because you're working so much more, we need to get more recovery. However, that's not often what happens. We just keep adding training and keep removing recovery. And that is the thing that you can't do if you don't want to get hurt. So 
those are the big things. Like, post-run stuff is not rocket science. For being honest, it is fine. Um, Signals-wise, you should be a little sore. You should know you worked out. You shouldn't struggle to get up and down from the toilet. And food, we should always prioritize protein, because most of us don't get enough. And it will help initiate the recovery process of your muscles. Carbohydrates, also never really a bad idea when it comes to post-training. Um, and then fluid and electrolytes. Otherwise, it's kind of a wash. And then try to get a few meals throughout your day and make sure you're eating enough overall. Stretching is not a thing that you need to do. It's a thing that you can do if it makes you feel better. Unless you have movement problems, then we need to figure out a way to fit that into your day. And sleep. Sleep. Probably sleep more than you do right now. If you already get a good amount of sleep, congratulations to you. Uh, most of us are not with you, but I'm really happy for you. It's really great. So that is our like post-training, what to do after a run thing. If you have any questions, please pop them in the comments, and I'm happy to do another like follow-up tomorrow. Hope you all have a great rest of your night. I'm going to get going to get some food and hang with the dog. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Podcast. Honestly, I'm still surprised and honored that anybody wants to hear what I have to say, so thank you. To be clear, not a doctor, nor a registered dietitian, or any other kind of medical professional. I'm a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, and a running coach, and I have a passion for training trail runners. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training or nutrition program. If you enjoyed the podcast or found it helpful, please take a second to leave a rating or review. I'd really appreciate it. Or you could just share it with someone for whom you think it might be helpful. I make these kinds of things in order to provide more quality, free resources to people. So the more people who hear it, the better. If you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Group on Facebook, where we discuss all aspects of training so you can have more fun doing the sport that you love. Thank you again for listening.